I've always wondered, what percentage of greatness is innate, God-given? Of course, hard work, studying, focused physical training, time, even visualization, all matter a great deal. But how much is natural and how much is made in the gym or the film room or in the mind? So that also applies to how you're guided. How much does coaching matter? Does an artist or an athlete fare better when there's a guru correcting or measuring each step along the way? Or do they not really need this buffer to freedom? And would they do better by being able to spread their wings as naturally as they could? The idea that the distance between what you want and where you see yourself hinging upon this minutia is incredible. That the difference between Michael Jordan and, say, that guy at Rucker Park who's seemingly born to play basketball, but whose name we don't know and will never know, had more to do with minor details and choices and not God-given ability, is somewhat frightening when you think about it. I don't know what percentage of greatness is what we do and what percentage we're born with. I don't know how many more points we get or how much better we get by obsessing over something versus if we just relaxed and relied on our pure gifts alone. I really don't know how much better or further we get by what we do. And I don't know if we would get to the same place if we just relaxed and let nature take its course. Nobody has the answers, and let's be honest, none of us really knows what we're doing. <laughs> we're just doing what we feel spiritually called or summoned to do at the time we're doing it, meaning we can only control what we can control. In my opinion, we're all born great at something. Some of us figure out what that is early on, some acknowledge it a little bit later. And others, well, they never embrace or realize what gifts they are here to offer the rest of us. So, whether God-given, perfectly coached, or obsessive commitment, if you never acknowledge or believe in your greatness, none of it will ever pay off. And that is even more disappointing. I'm Kayana Ebony Brown, and this is a story of music and men. was amazing. <laughs> it was like she knew just what to do, just what to say, like she knew what he would say. Man, I said as Ty and Jay concentrated on tasting every single one of those cheese samples on the table. Being a two-month-old vegan myself, I had to pass on the cheeses, although the smoked cheddar was calling my name. 
The lady, who proudly let us know that she had made the cheese herself, smiled as she watched them enjoy every single piece they tried. This was her first time as a vendor at Eastern Market, a historic farmer's market that featured all kinds of local vendors in addition to fresh food and events. So maintaining a smile was probably the woman's way of saying, non-verbally, that she hoped they would make a purchase. Ty selected a loaf of Monterey Jack despite Jay's insistence upon the Gouda. Why don't you buy it if you want it so badly? Ty said. Because I don't really, I don't really buy cheese like that. But you want me to buy it, Ty concluded. <laughs> well, you, you're already buying it anyway. I'm just saying you should buy the kind I like. She's not going to eat a whole, what is that, five pounds? <laughs> you are not going to eat five pounds of this shit. The smile slowly slid off the woman's face. Not that your cheese is shit, Ty said, trying to lessen the apparent blow the woman felt from Jay's words. It's just, it's an expression. I'll take the, the jack, please. Thank you. Jay sighed and shook her head. What the fuck are you going to do with five pounds of cheese? I'm, you know, I'm not coming over to help you eat that. You promise? Ty asked with a teasing smile. The lady finished bagging Ty's cheese, and they exchanged pleasantries before we moved on. But you were saying about January and that guy? Ty reminded me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, she suddenly had game. I mean, she was almost as good as... And I looked at Jay, and then Ty looked at her, too. Jay was in mid-sip with the disposable hot cold cup still at her mouth, when she looked over and realized that I was comparing the new January to her. So she's not normally like that? Ty asked. No. I said insistently while shaking my head. <laughs> no, not at all. She's usually like all business. But now? And I don't know. It was like meeting this man was top priority for her. How old is she? Jay inquired. And with a shrug, I answered. Mm. Forty-six, maybe? <laughs> Trust me, it is priority, Jay said with certainty. I don't know what it is. It's like single women over 35 think time is running out or some shit. It's the stupidest fucking thing. No, I get it, Ty responded. When you really want something, time always feels like it's running out. And when you factor in having kids of your own, I'll say this. The medical industry has done a good job of scaring us into believing that when it comes to having kids, if you're not too young, then you're too old. I mean, my mother had me when she was 45, and I'm perfectly fine. Mm, if you say so, Jay joked. Ty smiled and repaid her with a shove on the shoulder. I interrupted them by simply holding up a card, black, printed on silk with gold writing. On it, was simply the name Kenneth Gold and a phone number. Jay took it from me and examined it. Now she said it was all thanks to this guy. Says he's one of her clients. She calls him a genius. Kenneth Gold, huh? Jay said contemplatively with a familiarity in her tone. Oh, Jesus, don't tell me, Ty said presumptuously. No, no, nothing like that. He's married, happily. Ten years, Jay informed. Well, 
How do you know him? I asked. Shit, how do you not? Everybody knows him. I looked at Ty, who gave a slight shrug because obviously she didn't know him either. And Jay went on. Well, we featured him in the magazine. Well, it'll be on newsstands next month, but he's like this big-time dating coach type person. He used to exclusively help men, but then he started working with women a few years ago, and his career really took off from there. Hmm. A coach, I repeated. Yeah, I mean, for women, he gives insight on how and what men think to help you attract who you want and talk to them with confidence, Jay explained. Still holding the business card, she looked at it once again and then looked over at Ty. <laughs> hey, maybe you should give him a call since your little strategy doesn't seem to be working. Ty sipped her tea, choosing not to entertain Jay on this topic. See, every Monday... Wednesday and Friday. Ty's morning schedule allowed for a coffee stop at the Pete's Coffee near her office. Between 8.04 and 8.11, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, she would find herself trying not to stare at Ryan, who apparently finished his morning run with a large Cafe Americano extra hot. Large Cafe Americano extra hot, Ryan yelled the barista, which was the only reason Ty even knew his name was Ryan. Now, Ryan stood about 6'2", had a swimmer's lean but muscular physique, dark brown hair that seemed to highlight his bluish-gray eyes. She hadn't realized that she'd described this guy to me on three separate occasions, and the fact that she seemed to always find a way to unconsciously comment on how good Jesse Williams looked, just randomly, out of, like, the blue, made me believe that this was the reason she was so attracted to this Ryan dude. The similarity in the descriptions of her crushes was uncanny. Now, whether she knew it or not, Ty had a type. Now, she noticed how Ryan always smiled at whoever was working that day just before picking up his coffee. He'd snatch a couple of the brown napkins from the dispenser, two packs of raw sugar, and a wooden staring thing before heading out. He was so beautiful to Ty that she sometimes caught herself with her mouth partially open, watching him for a while, while waiting for her order. For months now, it never changed. The same fit, good-looking guy in running gear would walk in, order, wait, walk over to retrieve his drink, and then leave without her ever saying as much as a hello to him and he never seemed to notice her any more or any less than any other person there. But every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, she would time it just so she could get there the same time he did. Some mornings, she was too early, leaving just as he was coming in. Some mornings, she was too late, coming in just as he was leaving. Some mornings, maybe Ryan just wasn't in the mood for the large Cafe Americano, extra hot, and he didn't show up. Scheduling her morning around seeing him was the only play Ty had, if you want to call that a play. As we prepared to leave Eastern Market, I watched Jay as she and a caramel-colored brother buying handmade African soap behind us 
caught eyes for probably the fifth time since we had been there. And I thought to myself, if Ty only knew how easy it truly was to meet the man she wanted. Now before we made it five more steps toward the exit, I heard a baritone voice behind us. Excuse me, ladies. And we all turned, none of us surprised to see that it was the guy from the soap stand. Hi. He said to Jay with a teeth-showing grin. I couldn't help but notice that you hadn't stopped smiling at me from the moment you walked in here. <laughs> oh, really? She cut in, still smiling. <laughs> you know, I could say the same thing about you. You could. He agreed. But then you'd have to take the blame for it. Oh, I already know I'm responsible. It's my superpower she said, almost discreetly, which caused him to chuckle even more. Now I just have to be able to put a name to the beautiful face. I'm Cam, by the way, he said. Hi, Cam. I'm Jay, she said, accepting his handshake. Now by this point, Ty and I had stepped away, but we could still hear them talking and giggling. Hey... What'd you end up getting from that vegetable stand back there? I asked. But Ty barely heard me as she stood there studying Jay and Cam from a few feet away. It was almost as if she was taking mental notes, watching Jay's every move. After a few minutes, Jay retrieved her phone from her coat pocket and began the number exchange with Cam, who was also holding his phone. When it was all done, Jay walked back over to us as if nothing had happened. Uh, all right, y'all ready to go? I nodded, but Ty just stared at her. And finally she blurted, How the hell do you do that? <laughs> Jay smiled and led the way as we began our walk back to the metro station. She was a few feet ahead of us when Ty looked at me and said, No, seriously, how the hell does she do that? The question was obviously rhetorical because she was seriously asking the wrong person this time. I simply smiled and shrugged. Lucas had never stepped foot in a professional recording studio until I brought him to one a few weeks ago to show him where he'd be making his first project. And I mean, he tried to maintain his cool, but the instruments, microphones, the boards, the buttons, even the egg carton-looking foam padding that lined the walls had him breathtaking. He couldn't help himself. He had to touch everything. The engineer was a friend of mine, Elena Joseph, a woman I met during my internship at Universal some years ago. She was their marketing rep for the Mid-Atlantic region at the time and always helped me execute my ideas for promoting their artists on campuses in the area. We connected because of our shared love of Reba McIntyre. She left the company the same month I left school, but we kept in touch. Now, she was a fledgling engineer at a studio in Northeast. 
I was impressed by her work on similar projects, which is what prompted me to call her about working with me on Lucas's album. I wasn't expecting the good deal she gave me on the rates, but I certainly welcomed it. I've been down on my luck out here lately. I've been broke, beaten, and bruised. I arrived at the studio just a few hours after Lucas was set to record his second track with her. So I stood in the control room with Elena, watching Lucas through the glass, sitting in the recording booth on a stool, strumming his guitar with his eyes closed, singing his little heart out. He had no idea I was there. She stopped, she turned, and she stared while I stood right there. The song was a semi-acoustic ballad contingent upon a strong, flawless vocal. Listen to Paramore's The Only Exception and you'll know exactly what I mean. It told the story of a boy growing up having lost both of his parents and the agony he feels every day that they can't contribute to the person he wants to become. A person that makes them proud. But the second verse reveals his struggle having been raised by a bad, bad world. Hence, the title, Bad World. When he finished, he opened his eyes to see me clapping for him. And this made him blush uncontrollably and smile contagiously. Elena pushed a button so that we could talk. Lucas asked, already knowing the answer. So, you like it? No. (laughs) I love it. Really? He asked with his insecurity shining through. Um, I mean, I wasn't sure about the bridge riffs. No, man, it's it's incredible. If it sucked, you know I would tell you. It don't suck. He smiled, very happy about that. But then he looked up at me and said, Well, Mario said the shit was too soft. And my smile was immediately taken hostage by a grimace. I had so many questions about that statement that I didn't even know where to begin. So Lucas asked the obvious one for me. You want to know who the fuck is Mario? And then he answered it. He's my cousin. That really didn't tell me anything. But apparently, Lucas thought that it answered everything. He picked up his guitar and started strumming chords for another song and singing to himself. Elena hit a button to turn off the intercom, and without looking at me, she said, Still confused, aren't you? (sighs) You should hear the song they did together. The song who did? I asked, knowing that she wasn't, she couldn't be talking about Lucas. Yeah, your boy here and his cousin. And then she used the mouse to instantly pull up another audio file and hit play. Yeah, they recorded it here last night with another engineer. She didn't start it at the beginning. We were right in the middle of the first verse when the loud, mixed genre, weird sounding, bad rap slash R&B collaboration began playing. After about one bar... The hook came in, and right away I recognized Lucas's voice, singing something about, quote, Asian bitches, and his preference for the way they like, quote, to get fucked. 
it was a poor man's version of that DMX song with Cisco from back in 01. And my face was frozen in shock, disappointment, anger. I actually felt dirty just listening to it. Not because I was prudish and couldn't stomach misogynistic rap, because I actually really like misogynistic rap. It was the fact that Lucas, my little Lucas, was involved, singing his little heart out like he really believed the things he was saying. This performance had the same heartfelt passion as the one about his parents that it played just a minute ago. Yeah, I figured you'd like it, Elena said with a facetious smirk. I looked back over at Lucas in the booth. He was oblivious in more ways than one. This episode of Of Music and Men was written and produced by me, Kayana, with some music from Filmstro, arranged and designed for this episode by yours truly. But this episode also featured music by Soy B. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Soy or Soy B. He'll correct me, but it's a great producer out of Morocco. Uh, the song was called Superstar. And then we had a song by my boy Seth Power. Now I want to go off on a short tangent for a minute. Sometimes you meet an artist that is so talented and so hardworking that you want to do everything in your... Now for me, it's my limited power. I don't, I don't really have <laughs> much power right now. But when I get some power, there are certain artists that you just... Gosh, you just admire. It's like their hustle uh, helps you to hustle harder. It makes you want to work harder. And I have to say that about Seth. You got to follow him on Instagram. His latest album is called Souvenir. Uh, the song I featured on here is called Stay. His website is sethpowermusic.com. He is an incredible artist. And he gives voice to the character Lucas, at least for this, this podcast. And so I just have to thank him and Again, visit SethPowerMusic.com and check out his latest stuff. And of course, you can connect with him on social media. The links are on his website. Uh, and then we had music by Lionel Cassio. Actually, we're going to have music by Lionel Cassio <laughs> for the word of the episode. And this song is from my boy Mona Wanderlick, incredible producer again. Uh, I always feature his music on here because it's just, it's just dope stuff. And it's called Laundrette. Of course, all of this is synced up in your show notes, so um, I don't have to keep, you know, <laughs> drilling this for you. But if you want to uh, learn more about these artists, just scroll down or up in your show notes and you can learn some more. So for more information about these artists, as I just mentioned, visit our show notes or you can go to amusicandmen.com and select this episode. And there'll be links uh, for this, the music that's featured in this episode right there on our website. If you would like to have your music, let's say you're an artist and you're like, my music would be perfect for that show and I would love to have it featured. You can check out our website for more information on how you can submit that for a review. Now, if Music and Men, of course, is, I'm sure you already know, it's so much more than just a podcast. We got a novella series and it's available online, at least books one and two are, available online and in online bookstores. And if you wish to have yourself a physical copy, you can get that on our website at ofmusicandmen.com where you can also get t-shirts and other kinds of cool merch. Don't forget to subscribe at Apple, Stitcher, or wherever it is you are listening to your podcasts. 
And remember to rate and review. I would love to hear what you're thinking. Lastly, don't forget to also connect with us on Patreon, where you can become part of this project and its journey and help it to grow into everything that it was, of course, meant to be. And make sure to share this some way, somehow, with at least one of your friends and follow Of Music and Men everywhere online at Of Music and Men. And when you do, please don't hesitate to reach out. Artists and entrepreneurs are a very unique type. We face lots of rejection, almost too often for comfort. So whether you're a seasoned business owner or creator, aspiring to be one, or you're just simply here to hear a great story, I want to always leave you with something to ponder. Until next time, today's word is from Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Never say never. Because limits, like fears, are often just an illusion. Now, I don't know about you, but the rest of the world, back in, I believe it was March or April 2020, was watching um, The Last Dance documentary. I actually didn't watch it then because I don't have ESPN, so (laughs) I had to wait until it came on Netflix. But as soon as it came on there, I was... Front and center, had to get the the chance to watch Jordan in action. Uh, Hadn't seen that since I was a little kid, but it was an amazing documentary. But enough about that, about the quote. The the full quote actually comes from uh, him saying that, don't be surprised if you see me playing at 50, because uh, limits are just an illusion. And I actually do believe him. But to take his word to heart, look around you. Uh, What is it that you're stopping yourself from doing by saying that you can't or because you're afraid of it? I had a friend of mine today online simply put up the quote, send that email. Her quote was, send that email. What's like, what are they going to say? No. (laughs) And sometimes I have to stop and and think about that myself. Uh, I'll be thinking I should send an email to this person, this, you know, let's say Hollywood rep or this you know, newspaper or this publicist or whoever it may be, someone I might want to meet or someone I might want to work with. And my initial reaction or initial thought is, ah, they're not going to pay me any attention. Little old me, they don't know me. And then the second thought is always, so? (laughs) What's the worst that can happen? Um, But forget about the worst that can happen. What's the best that can happen? I've met so many great people simply because... I I sent that email. I made that phone call. Or they did. They made that phone call or they made that email to me and we connected. So never let your fears stop you from doing something because it could be stopping you from meeting a great person or having a great opportunity uh, to advance your, your life or advance your social relationships, your personal relationships, business relationships. Just go ahead. Send that email. 